Welcome to the Rob Seco Field Ready Podcast with your host, Jim Robinson. Hello and welcome back to the Rob Seco Field Ready Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Robinson. While the vast majority of grain has been harvested across the nation, and most of, all, uh, most of the field work is done and things have gotten settled down a little bit for winter, there's a lot of work going into preparing your seed this winter for spring planting. In today's episode, we're going to have a little sneak peek at what's happening with your seed as it's being prepared for 2021 planting. To help us talk about that today, we have Rob Seco's production manager, Aaron Wolf, joining us. Welcome, Aaron. Hello, Jim. Thanks for having me. Aaron, could you just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do for Rob Seco? Well, as you mentioned, I am uh, Rob Seco's production manager. Uh, as part of that role, I oversee all of our corn soy- and soybean production, uh, work with those uh, production companies that produce our product for us um, in uh, producing a quality product all the way through to uh, getting it to the bag. Excellent. Excellent. So first of all, when when was the 2020 new crop of seed production actually harvested? I mean, we, we think about this a lot, and a lot of us tend to think about, you know, harvests typically goes into well into November and that sort of thing. But does that differ for seed production? It definitely does. Uh, for seed production on corn, we would start in uh, the late August time frame um, and roll through the month of September into early October. So what kind of grain moistures are we looking at, and how does that harvest occur if, if we're harvesting so early? Uh, harvest moistures can range depending on the on the hybrid, but they would typically start in that thirty nine percent and all the way down to uh, the low twenties. Twenty two uh, would be a, a typical year uh, average of of moistures or range of moistures. So wh- why do we uh, why do you start that harvest so early? Why at such high grain moistures? Because obviously, when it comes in the bag, you're you're not we're not looking at thirty nine percent moisture corn. Exactly. Uh, we want to do uh, seed corn harvest um, with those moistures due to quality. Um, one of the key factors is avoiding a frost uh, to, to avoid any germ loss due to uh, frozen corn. The other reason is to keep it on the ear so that we can uh, protect the seed as it comes in on the ear, uh, protect it from, uh, from any mechanical damage as we do the harvest. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So if if the seed is actually harvested on the ear at such high moisture, obviously it has to be taken to a dryer. Tell us a little bit about what happens once it gets to the dryer and, and, and you know, what's the next step? Uh, next step is pretty critical in, uh, in the seed corn industry and in, uh, making sure that we dry it properly. Um, most dryers in the industry We'll have a temperature and air pressure monitoring system where we can control those temperatures, control the airflow. Uh, Another critical piece in that process is the bin depth. Um, We want consistent, even flow of air at the right temperature to dry it down at the right rate so that we don't damage the germ uh, any further. Exactly. So just to expand on that a little bit more, you know, temperature, airflow, grain depth, and and uniformity of, of that airflow across the, the corn itself is really important. What are some things that can go wrong if that temperature is too high? Uh, if temperature is too high, we can, uh, we can damage the pericarp um, if it's because uh, we could dry it too fast and cause uh, that pericarp to be exposed, allowing um, additional seed-borne diseases in um, and uh, allowing damage at the time of shelling. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that could damage the seed, reducing germ, allow seed-borne disease, uh, diseases to enter, which further reduce germ or can impact stand establishment on the, the new crop. But, you know, obviously, okay, drying too fast with too high of a temperature is bad, but on the converse side, what happens if you dry too slow? Uh, similar things can happen, um, and and I'll relate this to our customers on the commercial side where you could get wet pockets, um, within that drying bin, just like your commercial grain bin. If you don't monitor the temperatures and the airflow, if you store your grain, uh, you can get those pockets causing mold, other issues, crusting, and uh, damage the germ as well. Exactly. Excellent. So how far down in moisture is, is the grain dried before it reaches the sheller? Uh, we like to target at 12.5%. Is a, is a target shelling moisture. Is there any particular reason for 12.5% versus, say, a more typical 15? Uh, it helps with shelling. It helps with the quality as well um, as we run it through the sheller and uh, um, gives us the prime um, optimum moisture as we, as we run it through the sheller and then ultimately storage in bulk. Great. So we have dry grain still on the cob, needs to be shelled. Tell us a little bit about what happens after it's been dried in the dryer. Yeah. So it, it'll go to the shelling operation. Um, at that point in time, we use a sheller that is very gentle on the seed. It does more rubbing, uh, keeps that sheller um, mechanism full, mm-hmm. and does more rubbing to rub the seed off the cob as opposed to uh, um, other mechanisms that could be used. Yeah, and, that, and all of that's obviously done to preserve quality as best as possible. Uh, so after it comes off the sheller, you know, the, there there's some preliminary testing that happens in order mm-hmm. to make sure before going into the next steps, investing additional money into that, that seed uh, to ensure various aspects of quality. What's done to predict the quality after the seed is shelled? Well, as it's shelled, a, uh, a sample is pulled um, throughout the shelling run for that particular hybrid and ultimately lot. Um, that sample is then used to determine mo- many, many things from quality to seed size to uh, the number of units we're going to get um, out of that particular lot. Yeah. yeah so that, that allows the whole predictive process that allows Rob Seco to actually take orders against the seed uh, in specific seed sizes and predicted package types and, and those sorts of things. And that, you know, we, we it's a lot of predictive nature to that. It's never going to be 100% accurate at that time. But, correct. correct. Uh, it, it'll be pretty darn close. So what's next for those bulk samples? So the predictive quality is taken off and it's been shelled. And then what? So, like I said, that, that'll go through a, a testing protocol mm-hmm. um, for sizing it out. Um, it will then, each one of those sizes will then go through a battery of tests. It'll go through trait tests, genetic purity tests, mm-hmm. and then, and then germ and, uh, vigor tests for, uh, for seed quality. Yeah. So I, I want to talk a little bit more about that, that screening of, of the seed to get it into various sizes, rounds versus flats. Tell, tell us a little bit about those screens. What do they look like? How do they operate? How, how does that whole process work? Sure. So th- one of the first things uh, in the seed industry that we'll do is we'll split flats and rounds. It's a, it's a slotted screen to let the flats fall through, the rounds stay on top. So that's our first mechanism. Mm-hmm. After that's done, then we'll do a screen for every 64th of an inch. 
and each one of those screens are a round hold screen. Whether it's a flat or round, mm-hmm. they go through a round hold screen. And from that, we'll, we'll measure the weight and volume by each 64th, which then um, helps us accumulate a seeds per pound. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately, it converts to an ADK, predicted ADK unit that we'll get off that particular lot and that screen size. From there, we'll determine which screen sizes we can put together to make an make a optimum bag weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically, we're in that four screen size range, which gets us, uh, say, a, a large round, medium round, small round, mm-hmm. and flats on the opposite side. Yeah. And so all the grain runs across the screen. Some falls through, st- some stays on top, and that's how things are separated out. But ultimately, there there is a top and a bottom in totality, right? Yes. And so h- how does that usually look? What proportion of the grain goes above the top and the bottom? On average, it's going to vary by hybrid. Sure. E- each hybrid, each, each uh, lot will even vary. But uh, typically, uh, right at uh, 80% of the seed that is harvested in bulk will go go into the bag. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So we've gone through the screens. We have the flats and the rounds separated. We have the large seed, medium uh, seed, and the, the smalls all kind of separated out. You know, what, what happens from there? I mean, that obviously, you know, it's not going to go straight to the customer as yellow seed and, and things like that. What's the next step? Sure. So the, that, size, that sizing recommendation coming out of that sample mm-hmm. off the sheller will then go to the customer. Uh, conditioning tower, which will put those specific screens into um, into the sizing machines. And what they'll do is they'll use that as a baseline to start sizing. Um, and uh, with those 464, mm-hmm. they'll put it across the gravity table to clean up mechanical damage, any insect damage that may have come through. We'll then put treatment on it. Mm-hmm. And then at the time of treatment is when we'll do the official final seeds per pound and bag weight calculation um, once we get that treatment on and it goes to the bagger at that point. Yeah, so that's a great point. I mean, the, at this point is when the final seeds per pound are determined and thus bag weights because obviously when you treat, you're adding something to the seed. About how much weight does the treatment actually add on a per unit basis? Uh, about a half a pound mm-hmm. is, uh, is generally uh, what would go on. Yeah, so a very small proportion of, of the entire bag weight. But, you know, sometimes we see that make a, a small flat turn into a medium flat as it comes over a threshold of that half pound can make a, an actual pretty significant difference. That is correct, Jim. And, and uh, that's where uh, we can have changes on seed size of predicted in October, November, December until it's finally bagged. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So... Final germination's done, warm germs, cold germs, saturated cold germs. Uh, genetic purity is, is finished out. Uh, how is genetic purity determined, first of all? Genetic purity can be done in multiple fashions. Uh, there's multiple tests or mechanisms out there from uh, grow-outs, uh, isozymes, a SNPs test, which is a, a DNA-based test mm-hmm. uh, mechanism. So there's many ways to determine that, uh, that genetic purity. And just to provide definition on those uh, genetic purity tests, a grow-out is um, where we would plant a subsample of that particular seed size in, uh, say, Hawaii or Puerto Rico, and we look for anything uh, that is taller than the average uh, plant height of that hybrid. 
We'd also look for definition of uh, leaf structure and other items that may point us to having an off type within that uh, within that seed size. Absolutely, and in a number of those ways, often more than one is is ultimately end up you know, being used. Growouts can be used to determine you know per percentage of tall off types. Obviously, no seed company wants to see any tall off types in in a. Uh, in a lot, but it does occasionally happen and it has to be measured ahead of time before the seed actually goes out to the customer. If it gets bad enough, you know, that lot is ultimately not usable or needs to be further processed to try to eliminate those where possible. Yeah, as, as we say, those grow outs um, will de- help depict those tall off types, which can really stick out to the customer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they can, they can really give a true visual as we all are, are very visual um, uh, people to uh, determine whether it's quality or not. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, I mean, we've we've seen cases where a, a given lot may have about seven-tenths of a percent of, of tall off types in, in the lot, and, and visually from the side of the road, it, it looks like five, six, seven percent of the field is actually tall off types. It, it, they stick out like a thor- sore thumb. They do. Mm-hmm. So we've all seen cases where, you know, the seed comes through and it may not actually look like we want it to look like i mean how, how is that caught early enough on the process to where it doesn't actually reach the customer for any kind of ugly looking seed is there any sort of visual ratings that go into to measuring the seed yes uh, there would be several visual ratings um, from uh, understanding cracked pericarp mm-hmm. uh, diseased uh, kernels disease seed um, seed treatment coverage would be another one that would get caught at the time of uh that final quality check coming at coming from the bagging line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So ultimately, that's that's kind of everything that gets the the units from the field into a bag of seed. Um, what's the general span of dates over which these activities are occurring? Uh, this would, like we talked, harvest would start in in August. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would we would start seeing those shelling samples and information roll through in uh, mid September. Mm-hmm. And final bagging through the end of December, January timeframe is is uh, a typical range of dates. Yeah, and then uh, grow outs, genetic purity, uh, germination quality. What about those? Um, those would come um, right in line with that timeframe. Mm-hmm. Uh, grow outs typically will be a little bit later than that, just because we have to go to a um, warmer climate uh, mm-hmm. in Hawaii, Puerto Rico, or even South America to execute those grow outs. So those will get planted the first part of December, mid-December, and get read in January sometime. Excellent. And then from there, you know, basically the seed goes to a climate-controlled warehouse where we store the seed and then begin shipping it to our business associates and directly to our customers, which then ultimately gets planted by, by the customers in the end. So, Aaron, just to kind of summarize everything that we've talked about, you know, like you said, that that harvest really begins in August. That moistures that may be as high as thirty nine percent, all the way down to about twenty two percent or so. From there, the seed goes to dryers and it's dried down to twelve, twelve and a half percent moisture, very slowly, but not too slowly, uh, in order to preserve moisture as best as possible. And then from the dryer very gentle shelling process occurs to preserve quality, minimize damage to the seed itself. And the seed is then separated into flats and rounds and screened for various sizing and preliminary quality determined, uh, kind of simultaneously. Uh, and from 
from that point on, it's it's basically a matter of treating the seed, packaging the seed, wrapping up final official quality, bag weight, seeds per pound on the seed, and genetic purity is determined you know through kind of the rest of the year. Does that summarize things pretty well? Yes, it does, Jim. That was a great summary. Excellent. So, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your time, Aaron. Thank you, Jim. Glad to be here. Great. As always, be sure to tune in on the 1st and 15th of every month for new episodes. And until then, stay field ready. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Rob Seco Field Ready Podcast. Join us next time to be field ready.